Alright boys and girls, everything in between, or elsewise, literally everybody, welcome to Monochrome Manga's first um, long-running series, I guess you could call it, um, I'm going to call this Let's Read Bleach. Thousand Year Blood War arc. <sighs> so, last time we talked about Bleach, I'm just going to jump straight into it because this one's probably going to be a little long. Um, these episodes are probably going to trend longer. So, the idea here is I did a primer before to kind of get you kick-started on Bleach. If you're behind, and I don't know, maybe you are listening to some other stuff, and this series interests you. Personally, I think you should already be up to speed on Bleach before even listening to this, because it's kind of a spoiler factory. It will be. Um, but if for some reason you're not, and you just, I don't know, you want to listen, or, you know, you kind of don't care about spoilers and you're going to watch the anime anyway or whatever. For whatever reason, you're here, you're listening. If you haven't listened to the la the previous episode, the uh, Bleach Primer, I would say I would recommend listening to that first because that's going to get you a kickstart on some of these characters. Now, fair warning, as I was writing these notes, there are a shitload of new characters that pop up throughout these 10 chapters. Shitloads of characters that I had no reason to really bring up last time. So, there's gonna be a lot of new stuff. There's going to be a lot of people that I don't think I mentioned last time. So, it's gonna be a refresher on some stuff, but just stick with it because my plan is to kind of just walk you through the story like bit by bit. I'm not going to stop and be like, okay, this is chapter 480 and this is chapter 481. I'm just going to go straight through and stop when I need to. Um, and again, this is uh, my first time doing something of this nature. I'm used to reviewing albums or doing a or reviewing albums, songs, EPs, and uh, manga chapters. I have yet to do something like this. God, feels like my throat is the driest thing on the planet right now. Anyways, let's uh, let's go ahead and dive in. So we begin this final arc of Bleach uh, with things kind of in disarray and pretty crazy. There's lots of excitement in the R&D department or Division 12 in the uh, in the Soul Society. Again, I'm probably going to alternate some Japanese and English terms. When I talk about Seireite, I'm talking about Soul Society, and there's going to be a lot. Shinigami and Soul Reaper, I mean, there's going to be a lot of flip-flopping here. So, Apparently, according to something called the Sutra Scale, I, 
it's another one of those things I talked about where if One Piece had introduced something like this, yes, I'm going to I'm going to compare it to One Piece and flagellate One Piece more. Um if One Piece had introduced something like this, they would give it a good enough kind of overview or intro here to where it would either be like, okay, so that's what that is. Or it would be like, huh, maybe that'll come back. And later it probably would. Not so much in Bleach. This is just kind of a term that's thrown out there. And it, I don't think it ever comes back. Uh, the Sutra Scale is at Category 4. No idea what that means. Don't know how high it goes. I'm guessing it's 4 is either highest or mm, second highest. I'm guessing. So, one thing is certain. Hollows are being destroyed at an alarming rate. Now, uh, 12th Division, 3rd Seat Akon, remember, in the uh, the 13 Court Guard squads, or the Gote 13, there are 13 divisions, and each division has a captain, vice-captain, and then different seated officers. Akon is the 3rd seat behind the vice-captain and the captain of Division 12. So now that we've see little things like that, I'm going to have to sidebar for a second on things and explain things. It's going to be like that. So Akon is giving orders to fix the borders, the borders of the soul society. There's, there's a, uh, it's mentioned later by name. There is a force field around the soul society that keeps that's supposed to keep keep basically keep the bad guys at bay any intruders out so he asks captain kurutsuchi who he thinks it could be to which the captain says it must be them another anime trope you know them Ooh, i mean it really is kind of menacing so elsewhere um uh, a young a young soul reaper named uh Ryunosuke Yuki and he is just waking up while falling asleep during his briefing on his new assignment uh which is actually to replace uh Zenosuke Kurumadani Kurumadani is a soul reaper who he's a throwaway character but I mean, he's not a throwaway character. He's just a really, really, really side, side, side character. He is a Soul Reaper that was meant to be... His station is in Karakura Town. That's his assignment. He's supposed to be there to help out Ichigo and take some of the weight off his shoulders. Uh, spoiler, he's not very good at it. Um, he's kind of got like this huge afro and they had one joke where Ichigo could not remember his name and he called him uh I think it's Imoyama which is something like potato <laughs> so and I think he calls him that like in a very serious moment when he comes back from the Don guy after training and um just before he fights Aizen for the last time and he looks around and he's naming everyone. My friends are here. And then he stops on him and just stares at him. And then he goes, Imoyama? <laughs> Guy flips out. It's like, come on, man. You know my name. I'm Zinosuke Kuromadani. 
it's it's funny it's funny it's a joke but he's not, he's not like a big character and they don't try to make him into one he's just he's just there um anyways so this yuki character is assigned to replace kurumadani and uh he's got a partner named shino who further chastises him for falling asleep uh this kid seems to be really uh really inept <laughs> it's it's kind of sad but you know so the story here is the number of shinigami in karakura town has been increased to two so that they don't have to rely on ichigo so much uh i mean it makes sense it's a good idea um also ichigo is probably stronger than anybody else in the soul society i don't know anyways we're not going there yet we're just gonna keep along so as they prepare to depart you see a shadowy figure is shown to already be in karakura town don't know who it is but we'll find out soon enough so they dropped off in karakura town and um Krumadani, he basically just kind of takes him there and he goes, well, this is as far as I go. Have a nice one. And just bounces back to Soul Society. And then Shino, Shino immediately says, okay, let's split up so we can do our rounds. And of course, Yuki is like, well, well wait, I don't like this. He he's kind of a chicken shit. That's okay. That's okay. I mean, he's new. He's new. Shino seems to be new too, but she's got a lot more, uh, moxie to her i guess she's she's a lot more willing to i guess get in the mix like she's probably scared shitless too but you know rightfully so because immediately yuki is found by this, this massive like spidery kind of hollow and he's running and being chased he's crying out for shino but he soon finds her and she has been accosted by multiple huge hollows. Like one looks like a big gorilla and uh, it, it's wild how these things are just all over Karakura town. It's crazy. It's crazy. Karakura town is, is wild with it is just filthy with hollows. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I've always thought it was kind of crazy how much activity is in the town. So Yuki, Yuki knows what he has to do. He prepares to fight. He draws his sword, but he gets bodied by that, um, that spidery hollow that was chasing him originally. And just as he's about to be killed, luckily in the nick of time, he is saved by Ichigo. Ichigo comes out and just, of course, slices and dices. and he again also chastises Yuki. <laughs> I mean, he basically says, oh, so you're supposed to be replacing Imoyama. Well, you've, you've got to pull yourself together and be more, be more useful, more useful to me than he is. So he just trashing everybody, which is fair. Cause you know, the one time he got into it with them, they, they, he was, he, I mean, okay. Kurumadani tried, he tried, but <sighs> Just didn't go that well. So now we see some of the visored. Uh, I haven't explained them at all. Okay, 
Well, maybe I have. So the Visored are basically a group of soul reapers that Eisen ran these hollowfication experiments on that basically were to mix the soul of mix the soul of a soul reaper with a hollow. And this is what came of that. These soul reapers are now they have the power to partially they don't they don't totally hollowfy, but Ichigo's hollow mask. Um, they can all you do that. They can all put on a hollow mask that augments all of their augments their basic abilities: speed, strength, you know, endurance. Um, for a certain amount of time, varies between the different ones. Um, and between them, they they all have different places in soul society where they rested and okay so there's the turn back the pendulum uh bit which is like a flat a mini flashback arc of like 10 or 12 chapters that explains what happened is basically like urahara he it, it shows him doing a lot of his work with the 12th division yuroichi was still captain of the second division and it kind of shows Aizen starting to starting to turn the gears in his big master plans to um, get to the Soul King. Basically, this group that was exiled includes, I mean, well, I can't remember if Yoroichi was actually exiled. Urahara, his shop assistant, Tessai, was like the leader of the Keto Corps. His, you know, right hand was Hachi, who is a member of the Visards. And then, you know, you've got vice captains from different squads, captains from different squads. I mean, it's they 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 kind of run the gamut as far as like their powers. They don't do a lot in the story, really. They do train Ichigo to use his hollow mask more effectively. Well. Not more effectively, but effectively at all. Because before it would just come out and he'd just lose it. But they taught him how to actually harness that power. But at this point, uh, they're kind of side characters and they don't do so much. Either way, we see some of the uh, the Visored. As uh, Hiori, who used to be... Or- she was Urahara's vice captain in squad 12. Uh, she's headed off to take a bath and on the way, you know, some bullshit happens where everybody else is gone and Hachi's got the key and he's not there and she's mad because she's always mad. But then she notices the smell of a, the smell of a Shinigami and some kind of spatial disturbance. So she's, kind of starting to wonder what's going on she's already catching on lots of people are catching on to lots of things um now we go to ichigo's house where yuki is waking up to ichigo and all of his friends so ichigo reveals that it's been two days since he since they saved him or since they saved them um i mean Everybody's there. Ichigo, Orihime, Chad, and Uryu. And 
right after uh, Yuki wakes up, Shino comes back from the store. It's kind of weird to me that they sent her to the store to go get some soda, but that's apparently what happened. And uh, when she comes back, she sees that Yuki is up. They have kind of an emotional moment. And then then she proceeds to hit him with a fucking sling blade. The wep- the Not the weapon. The wrestling move. The wrestling move. Um, and she yells at some, and she yells at him some more. You know, calls him pathetic. It's great. Ichigo and company ignore all of this, you know, commotion, which is fantastic. I'm happy about it. I would like to ignore it too. I don't care for these characters. They don't do much of anything. They, 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 they're meant to kind of help ease things in, and I mean, kind of get the ball rolling and they don't stick around. So it's inoffensive, but I'm not a fan of these two characters at all. So now we shift to the Serete quickly. We see 11th divisions, third CD Kaku and fifth seed, uh, Yumichika Ayasagawa. Never tried to actually say that last name, but these guys have been rather prevalent throughout the series. It's, I mean, it's not completely odd because the 11th division is structured. It's not structured weird. It's just the the um, vice captain doesn't do so much. Hasn't done so much at this point. Like, you've really just seen her. She's like just this child-like character that kind of just hangs around on Kimpachi's shoulder. So it's like, I don't know. It's like, did he make her the vice captain? And if so, no one's going to argue. So, I mean, what are you going to do? Kenpachi's just going to be like, fuck you. And just, you know, level you. You you can't tell him to not have his, you know, vice captain be a child. That would be ridiculous. I mean, this 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 squad has always felt a little strange in the way that it's structured. Because it's like Ikaku is kind of the vice captain. And then it's like his Yumichika is kind of his, I wouldn't say second. I mean, kind of his second, but just like a a good friend and his his close comrade that always is by his side. They're almost never apart. Um. Anyways, so there have been some disturbances in what is known as Rukongai, which is outside of the actual Seirete. There's like a, it's almost like a slum. It's almost it's almost like a poor district where, you know, souls that have come back to the soul society where they I think that's where they first end up. And, you know, later on, they can go to school and train to be soul reapers and they would go to the Seirete. But aside from that, there's Rukon guy, which is literally, you know, poor people. Um, So they're going to investigate these disappearances. Back in Ichigo's room, he starts to ask, he starts to be like, oh man, I never got y'all's name. And then we get that shadowy figure. He's coming in through the window and he's standing on Ichigo's bed right behind him. He's this masked man and he introduces himself as 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 Guiaro. Eburn, I'm probably never going to say that first name again. I'm just going to call him Eburn from here on. To which Ichigo just tells him, get 
get off his bed. <laughs> Ichigo is just, he's just like, come on, man. I just had to save these two a couple days ago. I've had other stuff going on since they've been asleep. They've been in my room. And now, get off my bed. Get off my bed. You're you're wearing shoes on my bed. Like, <sighs> he just seems so bothered. Like, in a in a in a not bothered way it's it's i i like ichigo in that fact in that way that he's just always kind of nonchalant about stuff though earlier on he's a little more noisy so ebern asks ichigo to repeat himself and ichigo unshaken repeats himself and says get off my bed so of course ebern goes i refuse and before he can say anything else, Ichigo just kicks him straight in the face, kicks him out the window in his socks. So he follows him, saying that he he must be here for me, so I've got to go see what's going on. So Ebern figured Ichigo would be more interested in who he is. Ichigo also believes because of his mask, he's like, well, you seem to be in a wrong car. And it almost kind of annoys Eburn when he says that he's like an Iran car. I am not an Iran car. That's how I always took that. Just the the panels are really tight and focused on his mouth. And it just I you can't see very much expression, but I've always taken his tone to be just like, I am not an Iran car. Like you've got it wrong. Is at this point, Eburn reveals a five-point star-shaped cross around his wrist, summoning this this big, like five-nozzle cannon-type weapon. Ichigo immediately recognizes the cross, and Eburn picks up on that and starts taunting him. There's a lot of cutting. There's a lot of cutting around. So we cut back to the Seirete. And the 11th Division are investigating the Rukongai disappearances. So they find a, a set of footprints, both bare and sandaled, leading them to believe that residents of this village were abducted by other residents. I always kind of thought that sounded weird. And it's like, I mean, I can't think of another reason unless okay thanks headphones my headphones decided to quit in the middle of this so i just put them down and now they turned off thank you for letting me know you got on the show anyways um i've always kind of tried to wrap my head around it a little bit more and see if i could find like a better answer and i don't know like what if some what if somebody from a different district came and, and tried and abducted people from this district? I don't know. But we'll come back to it. In the meantime, in the first division office, Captain Commander Yamamoto is receiving reports about, you know, what's going on around the Seireite when suddenly the report is interrupted by these seven cloaked figures of varying size and height in black masks and hats. And they know who the commander is. And they declare war. So the lead invader. I say lead because. I don't know. He's at least the guy talking. Might not even be a guy. I'm not sure. I just imagine it is. 
anyways. He's surprised it was as easy as it was to get to the captain commander. And to this, Yamamoto says, he's such a badass old man. There's no greater security than myself. <laughs> to which the invader, they see, they see it as arrogant. Which, you know, yeah. But also, Captain Commander Yamamoto is so powerful. Aizen literally said, oh, I got something for your ass. He created Wonderwise, and Wonderwise had um, his only use in life was to extinguish the flames of Ryujin Jaka, which is Yamamoto's Zanpakuto. That's it. And then, of course, he did that, and Yamamoto said, oh, so I can't use my, my Zanpakuto anymore. That's fine. And he takes off takes off his shirt and just says, okay, that's fine. I'll just beat the shit out of you. And he literally disintegrates him with his fists. Just beats the piss out of him. It's ridiculous. Okay, back to the story at hand. Back in Karakura Town, Ichigo is still battling with Eburn and mulling over what he is. Because he recognizes and notes that the cross is similar to Uryu's. And he starts to wonder, is he a Quincy or in a wrong car? Because, you know, the thing about the Quincy's is Uryu is supposedly the last. Now, granted, that was, I think, before we were introduced to Uryu's father, um, Ryuken. And when we're introduced to him, it's kind of like, okay, I thought Uryu was the last Quincy. It kind of gets... Ugh. Anyways... I told you, Bleach. Bleach has some some stuff that's kind of inconsistent. There's some problems. So he noticed that all Eburn is doing is taunting him. He's just saying, "Come on, Kurosaki, you're gonna have to use Bankai." Like he keeps telling him, "You're gonna have to use Bankai to defeat me." So Ichigo, being Ichigo, usually he just does it anyways. But, I mean, he kind of feels his opponents out, and then he's like, alright, I need to use Bankai. But most times he does it, and he does it now. And as he activates it, Ibram reveals this medallion, and activate, activates it with an incantation in German. I don't remember that. I don't remember that shit at all. I saw that, and I was like, what is happening? I just read through this same source. I read through this same fucking chapter, and I don't remember seeing this. I don't remember this at all, but he goes through this incantation in German and something comes from the medallion. It seems to like rip Ichigo's Bankai away, but Ichigo's able to break free and fire a Getsuga Tensho, which is his like signature move. He basically just fires like an energy slash from his sword. And I mean, there's different versions. There's a blue version, which is the normal version. And then when he's hollowfied, when he's got his hollow mask on, it's like a black one with a red outline, red accent. Normal is blue with white accent. So now we go back to the first division and there's a huge spear with first division vice captain Chojuro Sasuke on the end of it. And, I mean, it flies through and hits the wall. And this is where the invader states that in five days, the Seirete will be annihilated by the Vandenreich. 
Now, the German stuff I feel more comfortable with than Japanese. German, I actually took at some point. Vandenreich means Invisible Empire. At this point, we don't know what Vandenreich totally is. It's just what we... It's just whatever is going to destroy the Soul Society. We don't know who or what all that entails. But we'll find out. I feel like we're blowing through all of this stuff, man. Like, it, it feels like this isn't taking that long. Then again, I mean, we're at 30 minutes here with like a little bit of buffer at the beginning. We're at 30 minutes. It's not that bad. We're about halfway. We are. Eh, we're not. It's a little under halfway. This, this, at once this chapter is done, it'll be the halfway point. Um, so the commander comes in hot, pun intended, because his piles are fire, and he attacks the intruders only to find that they have a force field by destroying it. Like he just shatters it, but it's unfortunate he was trying to kill them. They were unafraid, none of them move. So the leader, again, air quotes, says that he should know who they are before disappearing into nothingness. Like they literally fade into a shadow right before the commander uses Ryujin Jaka's intense flames to try and just vaporize them because his flames are powerful, powerful enough that I think when they're used in the soul society arc, when, when he uses it against Shunsui and Ukitaki, I think that's when they first say, Oh man, it feels like my throat's getting dry. That might be later. Anyways, we're not going to talk about too much. Um, so he notes their spiritual pressure is gone and he's believing that they can pass through the, uh, Shakonmaku bear barrier, which is the barrier I was talking about earlier. I just didn't have the name for it yet because there's a lot of these details, these smaller details that I don't remember from this time. So back in Karakura town, Eburn is screaming about why Ichigo's Bankai won't disappear, which is like, oh, disappear? What the hell is he talking about? Of course, Ichigo asks what he means by that, but before he can answer, Eburn disappears into a shadow. Just like the other guys. Um, so Ichigo also notes that the movement technique that he was using wasn't the Arankar Sunido he's used to seeing. It's something different. Which, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll get there. We then go to an unknown location where we see a, a squared castle covered in ice. These huge, like, spikes coming out of the ground. Inside, we see the invaders returning to their base. One of them revealing himself. And Ebern is there. He walks past him. Ebern is kneeling, and he commends him for kneeling. Of course, Ebern sasses him. It's like, I... I don't know. There's, there's like a, it's not like a friendly rivalry. There, there, there's a lot of dissension in these ranks, I guess. Um, so Eburn sasses him and almost starts a fight before a third voice tells them to cut it out. And this unknown person slices off the second man's arm. As he says, he doesn't want squabbling in his presence. 
It's revealed to be a bearded man sitting on a throne. He asks for the report for peace. We don't know who this guy is, but obviously he's important. If he's sitting on a throne, he's got to be important. So, the man on the throne permits the second man, who is Luders Freegan. I don't know if I pronounced that properly. Um, He allows him to deliver the report that he's supposed to deliver while laying down. However, he states that he won't need his legs if he's going if he isn't going to sit this this man i'm going to refer to him as the king is immediately built up as ruthless i mean he's one of those kind of like it's like a false benevolence in the character like he chops off his arm and then he says i permit you to speak to me while laying down. And it's like, okay, that's kind of nice of him after he just like chopped his arm off. And then it's like, but you're not going to need your legs if you're not going to sit. And it's like, okay, so this just becomes a thing. It's not, it's not actual benevolence. It's like, it's, it's very scary from characters that are as powerful as this guy is. Um, so Freegan rises to his knees and says that he'd never speak to his majesty while laying down. Good man, good man. So back in Ichigo's room, Yuki is wondering where Ichigo is, saying, you know, he's late. I don't know why he says he's late. That's always been weird. And it's like, how is he late? Late for what? I'm, I'm happy when these characters go away. So Uryu says he never intended to help Ichigo. Uh, cause Yuki is kind of like, why didn't you guys go help him? And Uryu's like, I never intended to help because he didn't need him. Cause you know, he said that Ichigo would never lose to a guy like that in the first place. And then Orihime makes a nice note. She says that, um, it seems like they've become such good friends and it, it's nice because they started off as enemies because Uryu's a uptight jackass. I mean, he's got the same voice as the Digimon emperor as Ken in Digimon. And he kind of strikes me as a similar guy. Kind of Ken was very corrupted, but you, more so Uryu is just going by what he knows. Cause he's, he was like, I'm a Quincy. You're a soul reaper. We're enemies. Didn't have to be that way. And it's not that way. And of course, Uryu is kind of, you know, embarrassed by that. So Ichigo returns uh, right at the time that Yuki gets a phone call. It's another silly, silly thing that I find kind of stupid. He, um, his ringtone is actually Shino humming. I don't know. I don't know what the dynamic is. It's almost like a big brother, uh, uh, big sister, little brother thing. I don't, I don't know. He's, he's weird. He gets bashed for that, but then um, the phone call turns out to be an order to return for the funeral of Sasuke since he passed away. It's then revealed that Akon actually, on the phone with Yuki, explained the current situation. So, the first division lost 
116 officers in a matter of like 180 seconds. So uh, just a few minutes. The number of intruders are completely unknown because, you know, any witnesses were killed except for Yamamoto. But it seems like there were maybe more than what showed up for Yamamoto. So there's no telling how many were actually there. And their means of getting into the Seirete is unknown as well. But he feels as though they can pass through their barriers. And after everyone leaves, Ichigo, obviously restless because of all of this news, goes out on patrol. And he remembers Uryu told him that he believes that they gave that that detailed of a report to Yuki, who is a common soldier, so that Ichigo could know the situation. Akon knew that Ichigo was there, and he gave that level of a report to Yuki, knowing that Ichigo would get it. Because he wants Ichigo Kurosaki to know what's going on. Because, I mean, everyone in the 12th Division is very smart. Akon is very, very... He's very uh, resourceful, very clever as well. No one's as resourceful as Kurutsuchi. He is something else <laughs> entirely. Um, so, as Ichigo is, you know, wandering about on a patrol, suddenly, a character we haven't seen in a long time, and a character you may never have heard of, because I haven't talked about her at all yet, I don't think, Nell falls from the sky to tell Ichigo that something has happened in Hueco Mundo. So, Nell, um, when they first broke into Hueco Mundo, Ichigo and his friends, Ichigo and company, came across, I think it was all three of them at the same time, but this small child, a wrong car, named Nell, and her two, like, caretakers, Peshe and Don Dechaka, and they kind of accompany them throughout, like, as they split off, they kind of end up in different groups, and come to find out that Nell is actually former Espada number three and she's really powerful it's just that um the current well now former but at the time Espada number five Noitora had like they were always in fierce fierce competition he was always trying to beat her but he never could and at one point he broke her he cracked her mask and gave her a nasty scar on the face and caused her to basically become a child and I, I think she lost her memory I'm pretty sure she lost her memory but she was able to get it back she still wasn't able to beat him that was left for Kimpachi because Kimpachi has to fight the roughneck guy who wants to fight everybody um but yeah, she, I mean, she comes across as kind of an annoying character. Um, Peshe and Don Dechaka are like comedy characters, but you know, every, every story needs those. So now back in enemy territory, Freegan is telling the king about the five day plan. And the king then asks, this is this, this one still, this one confuses me still. The king then asks if he is a prophet. Um, before telling him that he wants to hear about the present 
rather than the distant path, the, the distant future rather. And that's always kind of confused me. So let me find the page here. Let me find the page. So what, okay, so the king's like five days, huh? And freaking goes, yes, your majesty. This is for both us and the soul society. The appropriate opportunity to prepare for battle and he's interrupted the future. What? You told me when you went to scout the border intensity two days ago that if we continue on this course, the equilibrium of souls between the soul society and the world of the living will be lost. Isn't that what you said? Luders Freegan, are you who stands before me right now a prophet? And he's like, what? Answer me. I'm asking you if you are a prophet. No, I'm not. Then why are you speaking of the distant future? I want to hear about the present. I'm still so confused about that. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's more of that cruel, fake benevolence kind of like, I don't know. It's not, it's not really benevolence. It's just like the guy is talk. He's not talking about the distant future. He's just talking about the future. I mean, like the very near future. I don't know. That one's always been weird for me. Anyways, he mercs, he mercs, uh, freaking like just blows him up from the waist up right in front of Eburn. And then he commends Eburn. He says that he has neither any contemptible nor any admirable traits. And he was sufficient for holding up Ichigo Kurosaki, but that his job is finished and he will be a foundation for peace. And he destroys him as well. This guy's ruthless. Ruthless. Um, so one of the masked guys, one of the invaders who went to Seirete, mentions that the Arankar are useful since are useful since they need no training for battle. And, you know, kind of like, well, maybe it's not a good idea, your majesty, to destroy them all. And of course the king goes, I don't care. And he says, we can find more anytime we want. And he reveals that they have former number three Espada, Tyr Haribel, held captive. And he says, Huecomundo is his territory, and it's a foundation for the invasion. This is kind of crazy because with the Espada, the way the power rankings worked, I mean, Berrigan was the number two Espada, but that might have been a slight against him just from Eisen, because Eisen's the one who ranked them. I mean, Stark is strong, but I have always felt that Berrigan is like real. I, I don't know. I'm not getting into it right now. But anyways, Berrigan was the former king of Hueco Mundo and the number two Espada. And Stark was the, num- the, pr- the number one Espada. And they both died in the Battle of Fate Karakura Town, leaving Haribel, who... You know, you don't know until this very moment that she's still alive. Um, and yeah, pretty much the rest of the Espada are just dead. Pretty much. I mean, this, mm, uh, let's, 
man, it's it's hard because I've read this numerous times and I know everything that happens. So I'm trying to kind of keep it to a point where as if I'm just reading through it for the first time, but I still know everything. So I don't have to be like, oh, what's this? But I can still kind of come at it from a spoiler free standpoint. But anyways. Yeah, this is this is a pretty interesting reveal. Um, we don't quite know where this is going to go. So then back in Karakura Town, Peshe lands as well. It's kind of annoying the, the Jesus out of Ichigo, <laughs> pissing him off. Ichigo kicks him in the crotch. He he basically just repeats what Nell told him after a bunch of stupid theatrics. Then back in the Seirete, the funeral is held. Byakuya is giving the eulogy because who else, who better? Well, the captain commander, but he's more so in mourning. Because, I mean, Chojuro was his right-hand man. Byakuya goes on talking about how Sasuke achieved Bankai before Kyoroku and Ukitaki were born. Which is crazy because they are two of the oldest captains that that are in the Gote 13, along with Unohana and Yamamoto himself. They are the oldest. Um, he goes on about how he achieved his Bankai and how he refused numerous opportunities to be promoted to captain. He refused to become a captain. He always wanted to be a vice captain. He was always belittled for numerous reasons, but despite all of that, he pledged to remain vice captain to the commander as long as he lived. And he died using his Bankai in battle for the first time. It's, it's, it's a heavy ceremony. You can tell that the captain commander is like beyond upset. Like he is beside himself. Um, he's not crying. He's just, incredibly he's incensed he's enraged it's very subtle here you see more of that later though now back to ichigo everyone's gathered again in his room as always the ichigo's room is the gathering place for everybody there is a scene in filler where something happens in the seireite i think it's in the uh zanpakuto unknown where all the zanpakuto spirits come out of the zanpakuto and it's either that one or it's the one where there's clones of everybody. Those were both okay. Um, fillers. It's one of those. There is a point where they're in Ichigo's room. All the captains and vice captains. Everybody is just in Ichigo's room. I'm like, how big is this room? How big is this room? It's literally a house party in this kid's room. He is 15, 17, 17. What is happening? What is happening? How is this? How is this happening? Anyways. So everybody's meeting in his room. All of his friends are back. Um, He's bringing them up to speed on what's going on. I'm not sure what time it is, but I'm like, how do these kids just get out of the house? Like, what is the deal? I, I mean, they're still teenagers. Um, so it seems the invaders took down Haribel, who was ruling after Stark and Berrigan died. They're taking a wrong card to add to their ranks as well. And Don DeChaka was taken. 
That's why he's not there with them. So they decide they're going to go help, but Ryu says he can't go for whatever reason. Well, Ichigo goes, yeah, I understand because you're a hollow or you're a, um, you're a Quincy and Quincy's destroy hollows entirely. And they, they have, they bicker cause you know, they're friends and whatnot and they're, they're rivals. They're it's probably like the true closest he's ever had to a rival. Not in power, but in idea, like ideologies. Uh, kind of in power, in powers, not in power. Uryu is not as strong, but as far as their powers, I mean, one's a Quincy, one's a Soul Reaper. They have different outlooks on the cycle of life entirely. Um, and of course, Urahara shows up in Ichigo's window to be like. Cool. So, who's ready to go to uh, Hueco Mundo? And it's like, what the fuck? Where does this guy come from? How does he do this? How? How does he do this? How? I. This man just never ceases to amaze you in this series, even this far in. So, okay. He does. He does explain, in a way. So, back with the enemy. Is a blonde man with long hair, kind of. I almost think of it as like a mullet, but it's it's like super long. It's not a mullet. It's just his hair is kind of ruffled at the front and the top a little bit, but then it's like super long and straight in the back. Um, this blonde man picks up Ebron's medallion and notes that it seems to have been used. And now we get a moment. He further remarks that it seems Ichigo's bankai couldn't be captured so now we're getting some more a little bit more of the uh a little bit more of an inside view of what these medallions are for seems as though they can capture bankai which is not good now the king already knew that they need a different approach for ichigo and he instructs the blonde man to contact the J- Jagadar army, Jagadar army, which is hunt army and tells them to bring back a few replacements. We then return to Hueco Mundo where there are sur- soldiers marching with prisoners. So now we go away from there immediately. Uh, Kind of. Now we see Ichigo and his gang on the way there. They're in the... I can't remember what the space is between uh, Hueco Mundo and the World of the Living, but Ichigo asks Urahara how did he know when to show up? Of course, he just says, oh, it's easy. I was just waiting outside your window. But then he, he always does that. He's like, yeah, 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 it's fine, it's fine. And then he goes, seriously. And then, you know, Hat down, brim shades his eyes, and he gets all, you know, cryptic and shit, and it's, Urahar is great. So seriously, he knows, he says he noticed that two, uh, he notices that two Arankar fell from the sky from Hueco Mundo, Nell and Don Dechaka, or Nell and Peche, along with the battle he had with Eburn and the abnormalities in Soul Society. So, of course, he knew. He was already on his way, like while Ichigo was battling 
um, Eburn. He underestimates. He underestimated Urahara. It's basically what happened. So they arrive in Huecomundo in midair, which Ichigo remarks, this is kind of how it goes with the Urahara. And Urahara's like, oh, you know me too well. It's funny. Now, they're caught by Orihime's uh, Santin Keshun, which her powers are kind of, again, crazy. She's got, you know, the rejecting reality and then the shielding, which that's what she used here to catch everybody. Um, Did I mention Chad is here? Chad is here. Uh, poor Chad. I'm so, so sad that mm, Chad. Anyways. So one of the nearby soldiers, they they heard them land, but they dismissed the noise because everyone in that direction was either with them or dead. And sure enough, they noticed numerous bodies nearby. Um, so Peshe notes this blue flame of condensed reishi. Reishi is like spirit particles. It's like what makes up the things that are in the uh Seirete, like in soul society it makes up it's it's like the spiritual makeup of things um i'm probably not going to be able to explain that very well and the difference between reishi and rietsu rietsu is actual spiritual pressure it's like the spiritual spiritual energy that is exerted by a being now, he notes this blue fire that the enemy uses that can even burn the sand and stone of Huecomundo. And that's kind of why they couldn't do anything. Like, they just lost. They lost entirely. Like, they had no way of really combating these guys. So, Ichigo decides he's going to help them. No matter what. Regardless of whether or not Don Chaka is in that group. He's like... He's like uh, the uh, is like Don is not there, and it's like, so what? We're gonna help him anyway, right? And then Orihime and Chad go to join him, but not before Chad asks Nell and Peche is like, Did you come to Ichigo knowing that he would react like this? Like you knew he was gonna do something. He doesn't get an answer, he just leaves. And now, now we meet a character I really liked. In this arc, the hunt commander Kilge Opi. Now, in case you hadn't picked up, because I'm my hope is that you would read along with. Well, this isn't something you can really read along with, but my hope would be that you would read this either along with me or you would read before me, and then we could it would be like not a discussion, but like a just like a good go through of everything. Um, if you hadn't picked up yet, the these enemies, their uh, their motif, as I've said, Bleach has numerous different motifs for different groups. The Shinigami are Japan. The Arankar are Spanish. And these guys, these guys are German. Vandenreich. And then, I mean, it's got Reich in it. I mean, thank thank God it's not the third Reich. But it's there. It's close. Their outfits, these really sharp, like, all-white outfits, 
kind of reminds me of something. Something not that great, but but at the same time, it's not it's not like a glorification. It's just it's an inspiration. And and besides, these are the bad guys. These are the bad guys. What I'm getting at, of course, is that these guys they uh, obviously visually i say they take some inspiration from the nazis and visually if there's one motherfucker in the in these guys that looks like a nazi for real it's kilge opie opie he's got like the side of his head shaved he's got like the hit he's got like the hitler hair he looks like hitler without the mustache he's got the little round glasses like he looks he looks like a nazi like it like I imagine when he speaks, I really, I wonder what kind of voice they're going to give him in the anime. Like, I imagine they're going to kind of give him one of those, like, like a mad, kind of a mad scientist voice, like loud and boisterous, um, maybe a little grating and high pitched, but not too much. So I really wish they'd give him a German accent. I know that's probably a bad take because, you know, but he just, he just looks like, oh, he just looks like when he talks, he would have just this kind of like a, like a Rick Toffin from uh, Call of Duty Zombies. Like the only thing I know about Call of Duty is zombies. <laughs> he he just looks like he sounds like Rick Toffin. Like he'd be like, oh, a soul reaper. Interesting. We have so many strange visitors today. Like he, he just he comes across like if there's any character amongst the this group of of bad guys that is meant to really embody the Nazi. This is the guy. There's a part of me that's like maybe they were kind of looking to go more whole hog on the on the Nazi like not symbolism but kind of the the look for everyone but later on he goes way far away from that like these characters are some of the most outlandish and varied that i have seen in the series that we are going to see so we meet opie he hasn't said anything yet his men are looking uh are kind of move uh lining up the iran car while a couple of the Arankar seem to be plotting something. And then Opie announces that they're going to have an invitational tournament, and um, he basically says that you have the choice to either beg, or you can either, you will either die here, or you can beg like you're licking our shoes. Oh my god, he's such a crazy person. And then when one of the Arankar asks if they'll be spared if they join the enemy, He's killed on the spot with a spear. And Opie just continues. He says, you know, he's like, no, this is not how it works. If if, if anybody goes about this the wrong way, you're going to end up like this, and like this, or like this. And he just keeps killing other Arankar violently as two of the soldiers are like, does he really intend to bring any of them back? It's like, no, of course not. The other one says it's like, yeah, he really doesn't intend to take any Arankar with him in the end. So then as he goes for the next, 
they kind of dodge and try to mount an attack on him. They disarm him a little bit. And it's revealed to be two characters, again, I haven't spoke about. Aizen's attendants, Loli and Manoli. Um, they're kind of these two women that don't do very much in the ranks. They're not a spada. They're just, they're a wrong car. I mean, Loli does some stuff. I mean, she tries to take down Orihime out of jealousy. She tries to take down Yami, but Yami is stupid strong in comparison. So, you know, they're, they're not much. But in that light, unsurprisingly, they are neutralized fairly, fairly easily by Opie. Like he, he, uh, he chops one, I think he chops Manoli's hand off and then he like smacks her in the side of the head with, uh, the hilt of his sword. He's a savage. So then Opie, Opie's like, cool. They pass. So he instructs them to take them alive, but basically beat them almost to death. Then suddenly a chakram, you know, like a ring thing. I just know it as a chakram because I played Tales of Symphonia. So a chakram flies at Opie and he just he just catches it. He just puts his hand straight out and catches it without even looking. And it turns out it was thrown by Apache. Who is another character I haven't even talked about. It's one of the Trace Bestias. Which I'm not even going to try and say that the proper way. Um, and she's there with Mila Rose and Sun Sun. Uh, so the Trace Bestias, uh, if you listened to the primer, remember I mentioned Fraction for, uh, that the Espada have. They basically have like their own little group, their own little cabal of Arankar that are their um, subordinates. These are the subordinates of Tier Haribel. And, you know, they. They hear how Opie, Opie had some disparaging comments about Hari Bell, where he kind of said, oh, well, she wasn't even a match for his majesty. They didn't really care for that, which, I mean, fair enough. They're, they're all pretty spirited. M- may, well, no, they're all pretty spirited. They're, they're, they're loud. <laughs> so, of course, Mila Rose and Apache argue. As Sun Sun steps up to take on Opie. I mean, that that's kind of the dynamic. They argue with each other. Maybe a little problematic. Apache always calls Mila Rose a gorilla. And she's a big, muscular black woman. <laughs> I know it's not meant to be. But, you know, the wrong eyes on it would be like, hmm, maybe Kubo's a little racist. Ah, no, he's not. No, I still firmly believe that. No, he's not. He's not. Um, So nearby, Nell, who snuck off with Ichigo as he was going to do his thing and, you know, save these Arankar, he notices that the Bestias, or Nell notices the Bestias and tells Ichigo about who they are and, you know, how fearsome they are. And then we get the sneezing gag, you know, anytime someone's mentioned, like, next panel, the person that's that person is like sneezing and they're like, what's going on? Um, Apache sneezes. Um, and they're just decimating the enemy forces. Like they're just killing these, these rank and file soldiers left and right. At one point, Sung Sun stabs one through the face with her sigh. And it's, Oh my God, it's fucking brutal. So then one of Opie's men comes to him and begs him for a withdrawal or to which, 
he promptly stabs him with a spear. So then Opie very theatrically tells the woman women to surrender and join their forces. There is like there is no greater joy. Something like that, he says. I love Opie. He's so he's so over the top and theatrical with the way he does things. He's he's such a nut. I I I really like Opie. He was a great introduction to these these guys. And when they refuse, he states, Oh, how very disappointing. I swear, like I, I would love it if they gave him a German voice. It's a little problematic. Maybe they probably shouldn't. Anyways, back in the Serete, 12th Division finishes a report on the current situation. Captain Kurutsuchi then reveals to us that not only are the uh, the Vandenreich spelled with a W, because little German lesson in German, W's are pronounced like V's. And these are pronounced like F's. So, Vandenreich with a W. Um, the Vandenreich invaders and hollow disappearances are linked, but that their army is, in fact, composed of Quincy's. So now, the mystery, that mystery is solved, but it leaves so many more questions because it's like, how? How? Because at one point, Ryu Ishida was the last Quincy. And then we find out Ryugen is still there, and it's like, I mean, he's a Quincy. So it's kind of like, it's kind of left open, like, yeah, there's probably more Quincy's, but there seem to be quite a few of them. So you wonder what happened, because it seemed, it seemed like they were all gone. After, uh, after, especially after, what's his name? Ryugen? Uh, Ryu can uh, that might be uh, Uryu's grandfather yeah cause now I can't okay 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 we gotta we gotta squash some stuff cause now I'm okay come on pixel come on I wish they for some reason the pixel changed it to where when you hit the search the google search it, or the when you pull up your app drawer, it pulls up the search and focuses it. So now I'm on my keyboard, and that's that's frustrating. That's frustrating. So uh, Ryuken Ishida, Ishida. That's that's his father. That's Ryu's father. Seems like such a Unpleasant. Soken Ishida is um, Uryu's grandfather. Um, that's what I was thinking of. Anyways, but at this point, though, the the Ish- the Ishida family are the only ones that you've really heard of that are Quincy's. There haven't been any others. It's just been those three. And now it is time for you to get a crash course in Quincy's because this, the these this is your, this is your motif. The, these are your these are your villains for the arc. Um. So, Kurutsuchi tries to continue on with his report, but he's interrupted by Captain Commander, who is asking, "Do they know where the base is?" And Kurutsuchi says he doesn't know yet. They haven't been able to find it. So. Yamamoto says that they are to immediately prepare for battle. 
And then back in Hueco Mundo, Ichigo arrives to confront Opie. And he's kind of like, uh, he's great. He's like, oh, a soul reaper with, with a little hot, with a little Arankar on his back. Oh, I just, I, I need, I need them to give him a good voice, a good dub voice in the anime. And I also wonder, how is this going to work? I feel like the anime is like, they're going to come out with the episodes and it's going to kind of be, I don't know. I don't know whether it's all going to be complete and it's all going to be put out at one time or what. Cause the last time bleach was on the air, I think things were completely different and we weren't in like the streaming era. Like we are now where a show comes out a season of a show comes out and you get the whole thing at once on Netflix. So you can just binge watch it. I would kind of rather get the drip feed of watching this, especially cause it's already stuff that I've read, but I don't know. We'll have to see. So we're not quite totally back to Hueco Mundo. We go back again to the Seirete. All the vice captains are waiting outside the captain's meeting. Rukia is furiously pacing as Renji. This is the first time we've seen these two. Well, the first time we've seen Rukia, I think, in all ten chapters of this. And the first time Renji has had like really any interaction of any kind. Um, Rukia is furiously pacing as Renji's telling her to chill out. Because, I mean, it's not going to make the meeting go any faster. So, 3rd Division Vice Captain uh, Izuru Kira, uh, he asks everyone's opinion on the Rukon guy disappearances. So, he goes on to say it was ruled as a quarrel um, uh, among citizens and was written off. But he doesn't buy it. He asks if anybody else has investigated outside of District 50. So, then, 11th Division Vice Captain uh, Yachiru uh, Kusajishi, I think that's her last name. I didn't put it in my notes. I just put Yachiru. Um, she notes that, yes, they they had, um, because that's where I- Ikaku and Yumichika went. They went to District 64. And Kira asks, so... Tell me what kind, tell me about the footprints. And she's like, oh yeah, there were plenty of footprints. He's like, no, 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 no. Tell me what kind, tell me about like, tell me about the footprints. Tell me what they look like. And she was like, well, some of them were sandaled and some of them were bare feet. And so Kira points out, because he knows about the standard of living in uh, in Rukong guy from some research he did. He says, the standard of living decreases outside of District 50. So you're going to find more people, more citizens with bare feet out there because they're not going to be able to, you know, have, they're not going to be able to afford footwear. Um, the sandal feet in this case would mean Shinigami. And then he goes on to point out that the 12th Division Reishi Investigation Unit usually would go as well if there was any investigation such as this, but they didn't this time. So you see what he's doing. He's pointing some fingers. 
He then asked 12th Division Vice Captain Nemu Kurutsuji. Long story. He then asked her about this, to which she says that she doesn't know anything. And Kira's like, okay, I'm going to report this to the Captain Commander, and Nemu says, do what you will. Captain Kurutsuji wouldn't do anything wrong, and I'm like, do you know this fucking guy? Do you know this guy? Have you met him? I mean, you got the same name, but have you met him? He's crazy. He is a mad scientist. He will do anything. Hold that thought. Now we're going back to Hueco Mundo. So, Opie tells Ichigo that he knows he knows about him, and he refers to him as a special talent that must be dealt with as a top priority. Which, yeah, that makes sense. Just file that in your brain. So, then some goons come to attack Ichigo, and he realizes that their high-speed technique you know, the Soul Reapers have Shunpo, the Arankars have Sunido, but this is the same Hiran Hir Hiran Oh my god in heaven, I can't fucking speak. The same Hiran Kyaku that Quincy's use, the same one that he's seen Uryu use. So this confirms to him that they are in fact Quincy's. And Ichigo, or Opie, Opie says, oh, wow. He's like, oh, wow, you came to fight us without even knowing who we are. But yes, indeed, we are Quincy's that you know so well. He says it in a way that implies he knows that Ichigo has a Quincy companion. I'm not surprised that they would know this. It's pretty believable with all the data and the information and intel that they have that they would know more about Ichigo and his friends than Really, you would think. See, this is why you reread stuff because now, now that I'm essentially rereading it a third time. Mm, no, this is probably my fourth time because I've re I've read it all once, and then I reread it again, and then I just reread it, and then I, now for this, I'm essentially rereading it again, and I I just re I just read it a few months ago. That's what made me want to start this whole podcast. Um. But yeah, it makes sense that they would know more about Ichigo than the than meets the eye. And I didn't pick up on that little little kind of bit there where Opie's kinda like that you know so well. It's it just it just totally whizzed past me on my first few read throughs. So now, back in the Vandenreich. The Vandenreich. Uh, they receive intel that Ichigo is fighting in Hueco Mundo. So the king then says, he's, we're making our move to go ahead with the invasion of the Soul Society. And he says to notify the Stern Ritter. That means Star Knights. So now, back in the Seirete, Kurutsuchi is admitting to Yamamoto that he did indeed exterminate 28,000 from the Rukon Guide. Now, was that real? Like that number feels funky to me. It's a lot. That's a lot. That is a lot. Um, yeah, twenty-eight thousand. Jesus Christ! I told you he's a mad scientist. He's a madman. So 
he's admitting that he exterminated 28,000 from Rukon Guy to correct the equilibrium. Basically, to correct the equilibrium of souls. So if the balance of hollow, uh, the balance of souls, I think it's the way the balance of souls and soul society and in the world of the living, if they, they are in a balance, but if that balance is shifted too much, then the the basically the wall between the worlds the barriers between the worlds start to come undone and well a shit ton of quincy's destroying a shit ton of hollows is going to it's going to throw that off so kurutsuchi is doing the same and trying to lower the amount of people in rukon guy to do the same to correct the equilibrium yamamoto immediately berates him for this because he's like why didn't you just ask for permission if it's an emergency the permission would have been granted to which kurutsuchi's like well i didn't think i had time for that because i'd rather you know act now ask for forgiveness later than wait for it to become an emergency and try to get to it before it's an emergency and yamamoto continues to kind of blame him for this to which kurutsuchi implies isn't the isn't the uh the primary cause for this your you because you couldn't kill that man 1000 years ago and you see the king of the quincies so that's your cliffhanger that's your cliffhanger for this week because i'm done we're done so what we're left with here is who is this Quincy King and how does he connect with how does he connect with the Seirete, the Soul Reapers? Why is it that he wants to destroy the Seirete? Why is that? And what is what happened a thousand years ago? Well, I don't think any of that is answered is going to be answered next week, but in the coming weeks, we will answer it. This is going to be a journey. This is my first time doing a longer form series of this nature. Mostly my, my other show is episodic, but this, this is going to be a thing that I stick with. This is something I'm going to enjoy. I'm really looking forward to to kind of, holding people's hand and guiding them along in the world of bleach and, you know, hopefully introducing some people to some cool shit. Cause bleach, like I said, bleach has problems, but to me, the problems aren't bad enough that it's like, Oh, this is the worst. It's, it's not as bad as some people say it is. It was not, it was never bad enough for me to drop bleach. I never even considered it. It's just, you know, I wish Kubo hadn't got sick and I wish he hadn't got rushed at the end. That's all I can say. Um, so yeah, it is not even Saturday yet. It's 1135. I'm done here. So, you know, follow me on Twitter at monochromanga. I'm going to try and keep this schedule of, of, uh, this, Let's read coming out on Saturdays. Um, yeah. Next week, we're going to pick up where we left off with. 
I, I haven't looked forward to see what's next. So I'm just going to kind of say, you know, where we are at this point. Ichigo is fighting with Kilga Opi in Hoikomundo, and it was just revealed that Captain Commander Yamamoto and this Quincy King have history, and also that the bad guys are Quincy's. And, um, next week, uh, some, uh, if I'm not mistaken, some dominoes are going to start falling. Some things are going to start happening. This is, this, this series is not as like crazy and strategic as like a hunter hunter or something. It's not, it's not like that. It's not, you know, the pieces on the, on the, uh, the, uh, shogi board are, you know, moving. It's just. It's it's just things are things are about to happen. Some shit's gonna go down. Um yeah. Check it out. Stick around. Next week we are covering chapters four ninety to four ninety nine, straight up to five hundred. Technically, I guess I could just go all the way up to five hundred, but then that's weird. Ten this week, eleven next week. And then 10 all the way to the end and then five. No, just do 10 until we can't do 10 anymore. It's simple. Anyways, I'm rambling at this point. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned next week. More bleach. <laughs>